Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Casey Bizet, whose debut novel, Not Our Summer, was released in the spring of 2021 by Running Running Press Kids. A former middle school teacher, Casey now works as an author, freelance writer, and editor. She lives on a hay farm in Oklahoma with her husband and two children, and in her spare time enjoys exploring the great outdoors, spending time at the barn with her horses and goats, reading, and watching movies. Casey also loves traveling to new and exciting destinations whenever she can. In today's conversation, we'll discuss dealing with rejection as an author, something I would venture to say just about all writers have had to face. So welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I I think it's going to be so interesting to discuss this because it is something that whether we want to admit it, we've all had to face rejection for our work. And you've written a number of posts on your blog about rejection, about disappointment, and about the long, hard, slogging road to becoming a published author. Since so many people outside the profession think it all comes really easily, and don't we wish, I wanted to talk with you about the writing journey that you've been on from writing and pitching three books to your first acceptance for your fourth book. So let's start there. When did you start writing your novels? Well, I left the teaching profession in 2010. That's when um, uh, the birth of my second child, my daughter um, happened. And I decided to take a year's leave of absence from teaching. It was supposed to just be a year at first. Ended up, um, you know, I decided to just stay home with my kids while they were small. Anyways, um, and so I'd say after about a year of, you know, just being mom, maybe even just six, eight months, I, I realized, you know, I need to do something for me and it would be nice to make a little extra money as well. So I started, you know, I've always loved to write. Uh, I was an English teacher, um, just have always really considered myself a writer, though not necessarily like a storyteller. I never, you know, early on, I never thought I was going to write a book. But I knew I loved to write, so I decided to start freelancing and focusing on horses, just because that's kind of my area of expertise. Um, so I found some, you know, avenues there to write for, you know, equine publications. At the same time, I also, you know, I loved books, and I'd read a lot of books with my students, my middle schoolers, and I'd really seen like the impact that a good book could have, you know, on kids and how it got them excited about reading, and so in the back of my mind, I was, you know, thinking I would also, I would love to try to write a book. So it really, you know, happened at the same time. I started freelancing. I also started writing my first book, which I actually did not finish my very first book. I just couldn't seem to get through it. I would get to like, you know, the middle and I just wouldn't know what would happen next. And I couldn't plot, you know, or I couldn't come up with an outline. So it just, the first book was just, you know, a real struggle. And I imagine it happens that way for a lot of people. I also didn't tell anyone I was writing a book because I was terrified of what they would think or that they would, you know, think I was being ridiculous thinking that I could write a book and, you know, who, who am I to think I could write a book and get it published? So I didn't tell anyone at first. Um, However, there was kind of a turning point when I um, met some other writers and in my area, the Tulsa area and started going to a writer's critique group. 
And, you know, for the first time was telling people I'm writing a book and like we would read pages and critique each other's work. So that was like a real turning point for me, like as, you know, opening up and actually telling people I'm working on a book and also, you know, seeing myself as a writer and an author. Um, so yeah, that, that very first book, I would say I worked on it for maybe a year and just couldn't get anywhere. And then I had the idea for my actually what did turn out to be my first completed book. And I worked on that for three years. And that was mainly what I read, you know, in my critique, in that first critique group. So, You know, you, you bring up two really good points. First of all, you know, when we are dealing with that whole, who am I to think I could do this, writing, whatever, mm-hmm. when we connect with other people who are doing it, you know, maybe they're not any further along the journey than we are, but at least now we're in with a group of other people who are crazy enough to pursue this idea. It, it really helps. Um, you know, I, I can remember the very first writing conference I went to, you know, it was so far. I mean, I had been, I had been doing some freelance writing before, like, like you do, but to be in with a group of other people who are writing, whether they were writing books, poetry, whatever, just to be with other writers was, was just so incredible. You know, you just kind of wanted to suck in the atmosphere and never go home. And, and the other thing that you brought up, what, and, and I've heard this from other, other writers that I've interviewed too, was about the value of sharing your work and getting critiques. Because it, it's hard to take that risk, but it's, I think it's important, you know, if we're in with a good critique book, not our group, not one that is just out to slam us, but one that's going to say, this worked really well, this I'm having trouble following, uh, that is just so invaluable through the whole process. What did, what did you find um, in terms of your critique book, how, or your critique, uh, when you were asking for critiques, what were, what were the benefits for you as a writer? Yeah, I think everything that you just talked about, just connecting with those other writers who were in different places, you know, some of them were quite a bit ahead of me. Some of them were kind of where I was, some were even newer to it. Um, but just hearing their work and and also critiquing in and of itself is, you know, is valuable to any writer, I think, like learning to critique other people's work or see what's working and what's not working. So that was helpful for me. You know, there was one guy at our critique group, an, an older gentleman who had published like numerous books. Um, I think his are self-published, but he was a, a fabulous writer and he would read and like all of us would sit there and look at each other because there was nothing to critique. It was just that good. Uh, but then he was so encouraging, you know, to me as a brand new writer, you know, would pick out things in my story and say, you know, th- that's really interesting. Like I don't read young adult, but that sounds like something I would pick up and read. Or, you know, also saying like, well, I think you need to, you know, change this part or flesh out this character more. So just, yeah, getting that from people who are further ahead of you, especially, um, plus, you know, even somebody who's right in the same place as you, you know, can pick up on something, uh, can pick up on something that maybe you need to work on in your book. So, yeah, I just, I really credit that first group. I ended up being in um, another critique group later on, that one kind of dissolved, but um, 
it's just, it really is invaluable for any writer just to reach out and connect with other writers and go to conferences. I went to, you know, I tried to go to a conference every year and, you know, I would go by myself oftentimes would travel to, you know, a couple hours away, even went out of state for one conference and you just have to be willing to put yourself out there. You know, I would just go in and I wouldn't know anyone, but I would make friends and, you know, talk to people. We all had something in common. We all love to write. So mm-hmm. it really is inspiring just to connect with that whole writing community. You know, I, I think, and of course with COVID, it's become a little more challenging going to conferences, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's important for writers because a lot of times either we feel or those that we are with feel that, well, you're not making any money at it. Therefore, to spend three or $400 to go to a conference, hey, that's kind of a, you know, really, that's a hobby what you're doing. But I, I think it is so important to go because like you say, you know, it's not only for the connections that we make. Um, so many of them have such good workshops, whether they are on the creative aspect of writing or the business side of writing, which a lot of writers really need education on that aspect of it. But, you know, you don't know where it's going to lead. So I look at writing conferences, um, whether they're virtual or in person, as sort of like going to college. You can spend thousands of dollars going to college, never know if you're going to find a job in the field that you just got your degree in, but nothing's ever wasted. That education can be just so valuable. Well, one of the things I was curious about, because you had been, prior to starting to do fiction, you had been doing nonfiction articles. Did you find that any of the skills you developed as a nonfiction writer, you were able to use in in writing your fiction, whether it was, organizing the, the material to have a good flow or anything along those lines? Was there any crossover? Um, that's something I haven't thought too much about. I, I'm sure there is. Um, I tend to see it as like using two different sides of my brain when I write nonfiction. I feel like I'm almost using like the left side of my brain versus, you know, writing fiction is more the, the creative right side of my brain. So I do see it as being very different. I am not, um, I don't outline, I don't outline for anything, which is kind of funny because I always thought like as an English teacher, I would teach kids how to outline. And I always thought, you know, that's what writers do and that's what I'll do. But it just, it just doesn't work for me personally. And I've just found ways, you know, other ways of doing it that, that I like better. Um, it's probably, it's a lot messier and it takes me longer probably, especially with the books, but that's just, you know, and I would actually love to at some point be able to outline, but every time I sit down and try to do it, I just can't. But um, I would say most of all, probably just the habit of sitting down, the crossover is, you know, I had that habit of sitting down, working on something, you know, if it was freelance, I had a deadline probably that I needed to get it done by with the books you know, there's nobody forcing me to sit down and work on this. Nobody's expecting me to turn in this book, but I had already created that habit with the nonfiction. So it was maybe easy to translate that over to the fiction. Just like, if I'm going to get this done, I have to sit my butt in the chair and I have to do it. And, you know, that's kind of the unfortunate part. A lot of writers, they love the idea of writing and, uh, but 
sometimes it's really hard and painful and you just have to sit down and do it. It's yeah, it's very much the discipline of it. And, and I think that's the part they miss is, you know, whether you feel like it or not, you, you either have to be sitting down writing or if other parts of your life are intervening and, you know, stopping you from doing natural writing, you can at least be thinking about it. You know, you can kind of be writing in your head. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean about outlining. Um, I've worked on several novels myself as well as well as my short stories. And it, it's kind of like, I know a lot of the big name authors deeply outline. I mean, they go into depth. They know how the story is going to end. They know exactly what's going to happen when. I am in awe of that process. I cannot do that process because it's like, if I get all the way, if I do the outline, and I know everything that's going to happen and I know how it's going to end. Well, then why write it? You know, I'm almost like I love and, and I'm sure it's happened with you, too. When you were writing, you think, you know, what the character is going to say or do. Then they do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, oh, that's so much better than what I was going to do. I mean, it, it, they, they have a certain amount of autonomy, you know, which sounds kind of weird since we're creating them. But. Yeah, I, I think that's really when the stories start coming alive, when when we're almost playing catch up to whatever the character is doing. I mean, yes, a lot of times we have to go back and clean up because we have some inconsistencies. But in general, um, yeah, I, you know, and, and I, I mean, I had a solid grounding in English. I know all about outlining and everything. But when it comes to, to writing, it's, it's more like I do it in reverse after I finish a section. It's like, okay, make these couple of notes so that I can remember either these key aspects of a character that could come into play later or make sure that I haven't inadvertently changed their age or where they're living or whatever. But to just do, you know, a complete detailed biography of each character and all that, it's kind of like, eh. I don't want to yeah. know that much. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's kind of like when you meet somebody, don't give me everything about you up front. <laughs> Let me find out about you in the course of right, you know, of, of the conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's, you know, aside from the fact that I have trouble outlining, like I'm just, things come to me as I write. It's hard for me to come up with it all in the beginning. I do write a summary of my book usually of like, I think here's how it's going to go. And that does help. But, you know, what's the fun in having this detailed outline and then you have to go back and write the whole book. (laughs) (laughs) It takes the, the fun out of it. And I don't know. It's just, it's not how my brain works. So, um, you know, maybe one of these days, I always hear of pantser writers, you know, turning into plotters and eventually outlining saying, oh, it's so much easier now. And maybe one day that will be me, but uh, I'm writing my sixth book. Well, I've written my sixth book. It's, it's pretty much done. I'm revising it. And they've all been done, you know, with the pantsing method, but just I have an idea of how, you know, beginning, middle and end, and then getting from the different points is always, you know, a discovery journey along the way. Yeah, I, I like that idea of it, of it being discovery. Um, so, you know, you had mentioned that your first book never did get finished, the first one you attempted. Right. And then the first one that, w- that was finished, did you have in the back of your mind, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to find an agent or whatever, and I'm going to get published? Or was this more of a challenge to you 
to see if you could actually write a book? No, I said from day one, I'm going to get published. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to not, you know, just, um, I'm not going to self-publish. I am going to get it published by a big five publisher. So I had like a big goal from the beginning. I had no idea that, you know, how hard it would be, but I, I've never been afraid to set big goals for myself. I think just as a horse person, and I used to um, show and compete and barrel race, you know, I, I wasn't afraid of setting big goals for myself. Um, but with writing, you know, I had no clue of how difficult it would be. I will say with that first book, though, an interesting thing that probably doesn't happen for everybody. The very first agent I queried uh, requested the full manuscript. So that led me to believe right away, like, oh, this is easy. You know, like I wrote this book, I queried this agent who, it, it was very much a horse focused book, also had time travel and a bunch of you know, romance. But um, you know, there was an agent looking for horse books specifically. So I think, you know, when she saw my query, you know, it was like, oh, this looks interesting, I'll read it. So I was like, this is easy, what's the big deal? Well, I didn't hear back from her for, ages you know months and months and then when I finally I think I nudged her at around seven eight months and she passed um but I think getting that full request right off the bat um it did give me kind of a false <laughs> sense of um optimism maybe um because that didn't you know it would end up taking me four and a half years to actually get an agent and get published but but it also showed me like it's possible I had this really big dream and here this agent, you know, was interested right off the bat. So it, it did, you know, inspire me to keep going, I would say. Yeah. And God knows we need that inspiration. We need, yeah. we need that little bit of encouragement or in your case, that was a pretty big piece of encouragement. Mm -hmm. You know, one, one of the things I really enjoyed reading was your post that was entitled my rejection stats, where you shared you know, the number of rejections you got in a year and a half, um, the grand total of rejections before you got an acceptance for your fourth book. And, you know, that's very encouraging because I'm, I'm getting up to the same numbers you've gotten because I've pitched two of my novels to date. So, you know, when you're looking at 336 rejections, I think that was the last number you had in before you got an acceptance. That is an impressive number of don't call us, we'll call you responses. How did you handle that when it was one after the other, or in some cases, they never responded? How did you, how did you find whatever it is to just keep, keep putting it out there? Um, I, I mean, I have pretty thick skin, I guess. Um, so really, the rejections, I, I know some people are just crushed by rejections, but they really didn't do that to me. I mean, there were some that hurt more than others, for sure. Like, you know, a, a full request, a rejection on a full request is definitely more, you know, a lot more disappointing than just a rejection on a query or whatever you, you know, first submit to an agent. Uh, but I think because I had gotten that very first full request and I, you know, for every 15, 20 rejections, I would get, well, I'd like to see 50 pages or I'd like to see the full manuscript because those um, requests were kind of sprinkled in throughout all the rejections. And that was pretty consistent with most of my books. Some books did better than others. I had a middle grade book. My second book was a middle grade book that did really well as far as garnering requests. 
but because of those, you know, it keeps you going. You're like, okay, well, I'm on the right track here. Somebody is interested in my work, but you know, I'm still missing something or I haven't found the right agent for me yet. So, you know, had that been just 336 straight rejections and no requests at all, no interest at all, then yeah, I might've, you know, been really deterred or given up, but you know, you do occasionally get those, they're not quite yeses, but that interest that keeps you going. And I was, you know, I was really determined too. I'd set that goal of getting traditionally published, not just, you know, any publisher. I wanted a big five publisher. And I was really just set on reaching that goal, no matter how long it took me. You know, and you, you just said something now that um, when you're talking about the rejections and, and you said that, you know, either I'm missing something or I just haven't found the right one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of my short stories published. And in some cases, it might be, say, the second uh, literary magazine I submitted to, they took it. In some, because I keep everything on a spreadsheet because I am just obsessive about that. I mean, in some cases, I might get 10 or 12 or 20 rejections for the same short story and without revising it, then it gets accepted and the editor's like, oh, I love it. Or there'll be a lot of uh, positive reader responses. And, and you're right. Sometimes the fault is we haven't done as good of a job as we could have with the piece. Sometimes it's just not a good match. It's just, and there's going to be another one. And, and I think that's important for any of us who are submitting our work, whether it's to, whether it's a, a poem or, you know, a short piece, or we're submitting a book proposal that, you know, the rejection doesn't always mean you're lousy as a writer. It might just mean you just didn't didn't find the right one yet, the right agent or the right publisher yet. So, you know, I, I do think that's important. Um, if you could go back and tell your hopeful author self something encouraging, or for that matter, any any of the people who are listening now and counting their rejections, what would it be to keep them going and, and to have kept yourself going? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I really wouldn't change anything about my journey. Um, you know, I would go back and tell myself exactly what I've done just to keep going until you get to where you want to be. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, a lot of rejection because that's just part of the process. Um, I learned early on that rejection is just part of the process. Everybody is going to get rejected. Sure, you hear about those stories of an author, you know, I got 10 rejections before I, um, you know, somebody wanted to publish my book. And 10 is just such a small, small number, especially in today's competitive market. And if you write for, you know, young adults or children, I'd say the market's even more competitive than, you know, the adult market from what, from everything I've heard. So you just have to be very intentional about, you know, again, sitting down, creating that habit of writing, do it because, you know, and, you know, yes, I had this goal of I wanted to be traditionally published, but I also write because I love writing and I love creating characters and stories and, you know, seeing what's going to happen with these characters. So, you know, if you hate writing, don't, you know, I wouldn't do this. This isn't the job for you. Um, You have to do it because you 
love it because there's going to be years of no money. <laughs> nothing is going to seem like nothing is coming from all this work I'm doing. The truth is, is, you know, you're learning from each book you write and, you know, putting that knowledge into the next book you write and you're becoming a better writer throughout the whole process. So, you know, just have realistic expectations as well. You know, nobody is going to just write a book, a, a first draft and send it out and it gets picked up and, and voila, you've got a $100,000, you know, deal. Um, I won't say nobody, you know, one person <laughs> that might happen to, but the rest of us, that will not happen for. It's just, it, it's work. It really is work, but it's a labor of love. You know, if you love writing and, you know, you have these goals for yourself, why not? You know, why not go after it? You know, I was, I was doing a, a workshop on uh, marketing as an author and, um, I had a, a young girl, she was still in college, come up to me and afterwards, and she said, you know, that she was so excited. Um, she's getting a degree in English. She'll be graduating. I think it was like in a year or something. And I said, oh, what are you going to do after graduation? Meaning, what are you going to do for a living? Right. Mm -hmm. and, she, and she said, I'm going to write a book. And I said, wait, what are you going to do for money? Because I, I think a lot of times that is the perception I'm going to write the book. I'm going to either find a publisher or I'm going to self-publish it. I'm going to make pots of money and that's going to be my life. And it's like, uh, like you said, have realistic expectations, not only about the rejection, but even if you opt to um, avoid rejection, shall we say, uh, and choose to self-publish, doesn't mean your book's going to sell. Doesn't mean that you're going to recoup your investment because self-publishing costs money. Um, I think people do need to be realistic and and be prepared also for reader comments. You know, mm -hmm. we we might not like the comments we hear back from agents and publishers that oh, I don't know, it misses the mark, blah blah blah. But boy, when you have something up on Amazon and you go read your reviews, which we all know we shouldn't do that, um, you know, and somebody said, oh, this was the worst book I ever read, or this was so boring. Or That's a painful thing. You can't even defend yourself. You shouldn't even respond to those. Right. But it's mm -hmm. it, it is it is a business. It, you're selling a product. I mean, it may be your baby and you're all emotional attached, but it's still a business. It's, it's still a thing that you're trying to get out there in the world and get people to part with money to, to obtain. And, you know, it, it's, um, it behooves you to do the best job you can, you know, get as much feedback as you can improve it to the, the extent you can. Now I'm curious about something when you were pitching, like, like the first completed book, while you were pitching it, did you, begin writing the next one? Or were you kind of waiting to see what kind of response? What, what is your process? Yeah, my process was always to, once I would start querying, um, focus on the next thing. And I don't remember when I started that right away. It, it probably did start with the first book. You know, I may have for a little while may have just focused on querying. I don't remember, but pretty soon I figured out like, this is going to kill me if all I do is sit here and look at my inbox and wait for, you know, a agent response to come back. So you've got to focus on, for me personally, I've got to focus on something else. So I would always start querying, send them in batches of 10 or 20, 
start working on the next book. Um, that's what I stuck with for pretty much um, the last five, six books. So, and, you know, sometimes there would be a little in-between period even where I didn't want to work on a book and I would write a short story. Um, I have still yet, I'm still yet to get a short story published. I haven't put them out there as much as it sounds like you have, but that's one of my, I wrote out my goals for, you know, this year for 2022. And that's still one of my goals is to get a short story published. Um, it's a whole different uh, ball game writing short stories. <laughs> and I don't know that I've mastered it yet, but I enjoy it. And that's kind of something I do to fill the in-between time. If, if there ever is in-between time, maybe between, like, I know I need to let a revision set and mm -hmm. back to it later. And like, okay, well, I've got two or three weeks here. I'm going to write a short story. So yes, I always would focus on something new. And I just found that to be very helpful because staring at an empty inbox is just no fun. And it can take agents months to respond or they may never respond, you know, so you can't just focus on that all the time because it really will make <laughs> your life really difficult. So. And I think it's also important um, just in terms of keeping our creativity going to always be writing, preferably fiction. If you're writing a novel, you know, for the big goal, but like you're working on some short stories, it's, it's just just the act of keeping fiction going, whether or not they get accepted. It's it's like it's like working out. It's like exercising, like anything else like that. You're keeping it limber. You're, you're keeping your your creativity more limber so that when you get back to whatever, whether it's a new project or revisions for the, the novel that you're working on, it's it's um, I think you come to it in a better place rather than having to start up all over again, you know, and dealing with all the stiffness and creaks that can happen if you let too long go in between writing things. A good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it a really long time. And, and I'll tell you what, when, when for one reason or another, I had long gaps of not writing any fiction at all, it was so hard to get started again, because mm -hmm. then you just feel like there's, there's nothing. It's like that mother Hubbard cupboards is bare thing. It, it's like you, you go in there to try to come up with an idea and you got nothing, you know, you just, you're looking at the computer going, I got nothing here, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So the, I, I think whether or not you even finish something, it's just, I mean, for me, I have a lot of short stories that might only be the first 500 words, but it's enough. I got it down. I don't know where to go with it next, but it's enough that I can pick it up and keep going with it, you know, when I'm ready to. But um, yeah, it's it's um it's something important, I think. And, you, and you're right about looking at that inbox. I mean, I made that mistake when I used to submit my short stories. I would submit one and then I wouldn't do anything until I heard back because it was almost like, well, if they rejected it, then I'm no good. And why even keep trying? And I had to I had to get past that because it's it's detrimental to our, our feeling about ourselves as a writer. Yeah. And um, it's also not a productive use of our time. No. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've had so many, so many uh, pitches out there, whether it's for the books or for short stories, that in some cases, you, you just never got an answer, you know? And at first, at first I was hurt and then I was offended. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I just make a note. Don't submit to that one again, because they do not respond. 
you yeah. know, so, so I'm just not going to go there. You know, why, why frustrate yourself? But, and then sometimes they, they come out of the blue. I had, um, I was working on a short story collection that was Christmas themed. And uh, before I knew I was going to be able to pull it off, I had submitted a story to the Saturday Evening Post way back in August, I think it was. And then you didn't hear. And quite frankly, I forgot I'd even submitted it. And around after I signed the contract with my publisher for, for that particular collection, I got an acceptance from them. And I'm like, oh, now what? I wasn't even sure if I was allowed to let them publish it. I had to go back to my publisher and go, is it okay with you if they publish one of the stories? And she's like, go for it. That's great PR for the book because the book's not coming out until 2023. But, you know, it's, it's like sometimes, sometimes it comes out of the blue, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's a guessing game. I like to say it's a crapshoot, sorry, but I mean, that's really what it is. You, sometimes you just don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. So why not take the chance, but keep yourself busy at the same time. Um, One of the questions I had, okay, so, so your book, Not Our Summer came out in 2021. Did you feel differently about yourself now that you are a quote unquote, real author? Or did you always think of yourself as an author? As you finished a book, even though it wasn't published yet? I think I, I definitely feel more validated as you know, it was a slow process learning to see myself as an author. I do think I saw myself as an author before I was published, but but it's definitely um, a very big validation. You know, like I actually have a book in print sitting on Barnes and Noble shelf. So I truly am an author now. Um, there's no doubt that that is very validating. Um, but I you know, again, I, I say that anyone who writes books is an author. Um, I try to, you know, remind people of that. And because a lot of people will, you know, in their Twitter profile will say aspiring author. And I always say, if you write books, you're an author. It doesn't matter if you're published or not. Um, but for sure, you know, we all dream of having our book published, other people reading our book. And, you know, that's always the ultimate goal. So yeah, it was, it was a gradual process of learning to see myself that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, I still don't feel like I've like, quote unquote, made it, you know, getting one book published, it doesn't mean I'm like a career author now, because now, you know, the goal is to get another book published. It's, there's also this misconception of, you know, once you do get published, it's just easy street from there on out. And that's not true. You know, I may have an agent, I may have one book, you know, on the bookshelf, but that doesn't mean everything I write from here on out is just going to be picked up by a publisher. Um, my fifth book is just being shelved right now because my agent wasn't sure, you know, if, if it um, was high concept enough, you know, to sell. And so I, at, at that point, when she had read it, I had already started this or had the idea for this sixth book. So I said, well, I'm just going to shelve that one for now. I may come back to it and try to, you know, improve it, have a better concept, but um, I'm working on, I was calling it a thriller at first. It's more of a mystery, really. Um, once you know it was written, I realized that's more of what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you're going to have challenges. It's never going to be easy. Um, I think that's just a big misconception that people have. Like once you make it, you've made it. <laughs> and then it's not true. You still have to keep working for it. Absolutely. And and among the many challenges we've all had to face, 
is COVID, of course. Um, my last collection came out May of 2020, you know, when it when it was really kicking in and I had I had a great marketing plan. This is my second short story collection, great marketing plan. I was going down to Florida because the title story takes place in St. Augustine. I mean, I had by the end of December of 2019, it's hard to think back then, <laughs> I had everybody lined up, had the bookstores lined, all this stuff. Well, obviously none of that happened. Yours came out in 2021, but we're still dealing, you know, there's still COVID. What did you do to, in terms of promoting your book, marketing your book, since, uh, you know, in many cases, bookstores were still not even doing signings or anything. How, what are some of the things that you did that, um, and, and, and perhaps are continuing to do to keep reader interest in, in buying and reading your books? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything different from the COVID experience because that's when I debuted was during COVID. So I don't really, I mean, other than the in-person signings and things like that, I don't you know, know how it would be different just because I haven't experienced that. But, you know, I've done a lot of online, um, you know, online promotional type things. Um, I did launch events with a, a local indie bookstore, um, a launch event with a, a local library. Um, I have done a few in-person things, as, you know, kind of as COVID was coming in waves or whatever, and it would get better. I went to a few in-person events and went and spoke. And so, you know, I definitely tried to do as much as I could in person, but I've, all, I've done a lot of online I've done a couple of school visits um, just locally here, gone and talked to, you know, that's really like my passion is talking to, I write for teens, obviously a lot of adults read my books, but you know, I, I love connecting with the teens. So um, just, you know, finding as many opportunities as I can to either reach out to people, you know, either online or in person, you know, that's in doing podcasts like this is always helpful, you know, just whatever you can do to kind of put yourself out there um, as an author and just to let people know that you have a book out. So yeah, I, I think that's, that is so important. And that is something that um, I think a lot of times authors don't realize. Now, did you start any of your promotional activities or anything as you were working on your different books, even the ones that, you know, have not yet been published, the ones prior to the one that just came out, were you doing anything to start to generate interest in yourself? Because I, I know a lot of times agents will say or publishers will say, what's your marketing plan? How many followers do you have? And, and of course, your blog talking about the rejections. Everything, this is where people become invested in you as an author because, you know, they're reading that you're being very honest and they're like, oh, we want to see her succeed. Let me keep reading her, her blog post to see how she's doing now. Um, what were some of the things, because I think this is important for authors to realize you don't wait until the book is in print to start trying to create a platform for yourself. Yeah. So were there things that you were doing? I would say the, the most important thing you can do, even as a pre-published author, is have a website, you know, your name, um, hopefully is the, the name of the website. And that way people, you know, in the future or as they start to learn about, you can, can look you up. But I think blogging is very important just to, 
you know, it kind of gives you a brand, I guess. And like, I almost feel like my brand is like overcoming all these obstacles. I mean, I know that's a part of any author's journey, but I feel like I'm very open and honest. And I just don't think it does anyone any favors if you kind of hide these aspects of the publishing process or the publishing world. Like I just try to be very upfront and honest about everything. You know, I talked about in one blog post, you know, what it's like going through the process of working with an editor and, you know, getting your book ready to go to print. And I just want to be as transparent as possible for other people who are, you know, wanting to know more about this process because there, there is this, you know, general misconception of you write a book, you take it to a publisher, you get it published, voila, you're rich. And that's just not how it works. So uh, back to your original question though, like, you know, having a website is super important. I think blogging on that website, uh, doing guest posts or for other you know, people who accept guest posts and, you know, kind of like finding your brand or something that you, you know, um, are knowledgeable about or want to write about. I think that's, I think it's important just um, to keep people coming back or wanting to read your, you know, your blog post or your content. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's what I did before I was published. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot else you can do, you know, before, and, you know, I never really had an agent ask me, you know, like, what is your, what are your follower stats or anything like that? But they can see that I have an online presence, you know, I'm active on Twitter and the writing community. I think that, you know, if that's your thing, if, if you absolutely hate Twitter, hate social media, I wouldn't suggest doing it, you know, if it's a real, you know, drag for you, but I enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy connecting with people on there. So you know, that's also a way to get yourself out there, I guess, is through social media. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a key part. And that is something that they look at. It may not be a, a what's the word I want? A, a, a deal breaker. A deal breaker. That's like a new, a new breaker was in there somewhere, a deal breaker, yeah. but it certainly, you know, especially because with COVID, it's not like you can count on, you know, I remember when my first books came out, you know, way long time ago. Yeah. You could line up bookstore events and go speak at libraries and everything. You know, that just wasn't happening once COVID kicked in. So, you know, it, it is important to, to look for new avenues. One of the things I always like to ask at the end of an interview is how you define success for yourself as a writer. Is there, have you been raising the bar in terms of, of what you're going to consider as being successful or, or do you have like an overarching, this means if I do this or accomplish this, then I can feel pretty satisfied with my, myself as a writer. Yeah. I think um, the unfortunate part of being an author especially once you become published as the, the moving goalpost, which I recently wrote on, um, because it's just really a part of it. You don't necessarily expect it to happen, um, but it does. So, you know, whereas once I thought if I just saw my book at Barnes and Noble, I would be the happiest person alive. Like that to me would be the definition of success. And while it really is, I mean, a huge, uh, measure of success for me, it's, you know, you can't help, but okay, well now I have this book published, but 
I want to publish another book or I want to get, you know, to the point where I'm on the New York Times bestseller list. So um, there's, I think the goalpost is always going to be moving, unfortunately, but you just have to kind of learn to enjoy the ride. And, um, you know, again, I'm, I do this because I love it. I love writing books and love sharing stories and, you know, getting teens and people excited about reading. You know, if somebody reads my book and then is like, I want to go read more books. Like to me, that is very exciting. If I can get them excited about reading and I've, I've had a little bit of feedback, you know, from kind of some reluctant readers or the parents of reluctant readers, like teens or preteens saying like, you know, my child doesn't like to read, but they read your book or they listen to the audio book. And now what are, they want to read more. What are some suggestion suggestions you have? And so like, to me, that is a huge part of success. You know, I feel like if I'm getting kids and teenagers and really anyone excited to read and wanting to read more books, then I've done my job as an author. Well, I, I think that is an absolute wonderful goal. And, and I think that is really an important one because it comes out of your love for the craft and your commitment to the craft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a better goal than I want to sell X number of books or an X number of dollars. It's, it's more if we can inspire others, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a, that's certainly um, a more laudable goal and, and one that will have far reaching consequences because we hope that the people we inspire now to read as they grow older, they will inspire the next generation. So, you know, long-term, long-term benefits. Well, I really appreciate having you on the show. Um, It's been so, so much fun talking to you about, about rejections, about successes, about the process. And, um, you know, I I think people will definitely learn a lot, not only from this interview, but certainly, uh, you know, reading your blog posts about the process and the reality of what it's like. And, um, you know, we, I wish you best of luck with your current book and with, let's see, book number six is the one you're working on now. Right. So, you know, I wish you a a great deal of luck and, um, uh, certainly good, good fortune in 2022. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.